Adversity. Real stories from real people. Persistence Culture presents the Adversity Podcast. All right, we're back. Adversity Podcast. I am Mambo and my co-host, Josh. What's going on, guys? Welcome back, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, man. Uh, Adversity, real stories, real people. Uh, we have another great guest today. Who do we have today? Today, we got my boy, Mike, Mike Evans. Uh, he owns a company called Dream Free. Uh, Mike and I have been friends now for almost a year, I think. Yeah, almost Pushing a year. A year. We met down in L.A. after one of Chance's shows. Okay. Uh, right after the COVID stuff kind of started letting up. Uh, we had Chance on the podcast a couple episodes ago. Okay, Chance, great artist. Great, great, great artist, great dude. So just kind of the whole basis of what we're doing with, you know, this – this being a, a podcast that's encouraging. Yes. Uh, Mike is just oozes encouragement. Uh, if you get a chance, what's your social media handle? Um, my social media is Mike M underscore I underscore C underscore Evans. You also can catch me at Dream Free underscore World. That's the brand name. And, you know, I'm always open to connect, you know, conversate what you want. So if you want to reach out, go right ahead. I'm definitely so, uh, tapping with you. So let's just kind of dive into this, Mike. You, you're from Philly. Yes, sir. And and how long re- did you grow up in Philly before you moved to go play football in college? Well, Philly, my whole life. So Philly about from the age of kindergarten, whatever, is born to 18 years old. I was in Philadelphia. And I can, like, testament, like, that's a lot of my life experience being in Philadelphia. I could say that got me to where I'm at right now. What did you think about Philadelphia that it is that kind of helps you make that kind of a statement about it um philly's a gritty city man like philly's like a city that you gotta grow up kind of fast to kind of navigate it it's a city that you gotta actually have experience with and know yourself to be able to navigate it so i can say at an early age it was a city that made me make a decision about what i wanted for my life so i had to make that decision i feel like earlier than other people did is it easy to go in the wrong direction where you grew up yeah, easy to go in the wrong direction, and then also kind of like um, I say the things and the stuff that you see, and other people's trials and tribulations is also kind of like a lesson to you as well. So sometimes right. you have your life experience. I can't, you know, I had a great mother and father, you know, growing up, so I had a very supportive family. But I can say the people around me and um, being from the neighborhood and environment, you still have friends who have different situations. You still have other people that you have connections with in your neighborhood who have right. different situations. So you experience a lot of people's adversities around you, really. And uh, did you ever uh, uh, have an experience where you, you, you think back to that moment and say, man, if I would have went in that direction, it would have been all bad for me? You know what, though? Too many. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Honestly. Most people have one. You said too many. (laughs) Honestly, because the reason why I say that, because the margin of error is slimmer. Right. I say that's why I say growing up in that environment, you have to have a lot of wisdom and knowledge of the people that you're dealing with, the environments that you're in, and understand kind of like a little foresight of like, uh, should I take this risk? So right. I always weigh kind of things very early of like, should I ride in the car with you right now? Yeah. No, nah, I don't think I should ride in the car with you right now. And most most <laughs> most normal people don't think like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it makes me like, I would say hyper aware, you know, of my surroundings and people. It made me where I had to really understand who people were and have great discernment early in my life. That's why I had to grow up very fast. Right. So... I, I like say, that word discernment. 
Yeah. So like when I was maybe like 10 years old, like my mother, she worked downtown in um, Jefferson Hospital, which was downtown Philadelphia. So mm. when I was like 10 years old, I used to have to walk like four or five city blocks in my grade school. And it's in the middle of Center City at 10 to 9 years old. Wow. So I always was a person who I used to catch the public transportation home when I was 12 years old. Damn. Jeez. So, <laughs> really? Yeah, through subways and everything. Like, I remember falling asleep on buses and like, damn, where I get left at? And I'm like, 11. <laughs> and I got to find my way home. My mom like, what took you so long? I'm like, I fell asleep on the bus. I was like, snoozing. <laughs> so, like, I just had to learn how to, that's why I said I had to learn how to navigate very right. early in life. And ma- uh-huh. and and you you said you you had many experiences where you could have yeah. you know made the wrong choice, but definitely I I think uh, for everyone listening out there, every choice you make, there's a consequence, whether it's a good or bad. That's true. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, with your story, Josh, uh, when we talked about it, and you know my story, we had similar experiences. We learned from those experiences, yep. Yep. and. Uh, that that that's why when I asked you about it and you said I had many I was like damn <laughs> like I had like two of them and <laughs> got through them so but you you know what it is though it's crazy because like I had many but in those type of environments they become your norm yeah so it's like you don't kind of know anything different than that now so you start operating from that place though so I could say like as I got out of Philadelphia and got the experience having things mm-hmm. that's when I really started to evolve as a person. I think, uh, and you sharing this too, it's, it's, uh, you were sharing the, the, you know, walking to school and back. Like I, I did the same thing when I was going to school, mm-hmm. but you know, out here it's calm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The the worst you could do is, is, you know, maybe get run over if you don't look both ways, but you know, yeah. being in a big city like that, I don't, I think a lot of people from small cities don't understand like yeah, the, how it is to get from point A <laughs> to point B. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I can say, but it, but it, it also made me comfortable. Like I moved to LA, like came across the country and was cool. Like right. also, so that's why I say like it took out a lot of fear out of myself of navigating different areas and just being around people I don't know. It's kind of like I'm gonna speak to somebody before they speak to me because I'm kind of like I want to know what it is in yeah. here right now. So that just made me just way more of a person that wanted to know people and be aware of my environment. I could say too though, being that happening at a young age for me and it, and it hones in like you said earlier that level of discernment true you know so as you get older i think that's a huge piece that a lot of us don't realize is very essential to to functioning in, a, in, in normal good relationships right is you've got to be able to discern not only your environment but you got to be able to discern kind of what you're saying mm-hmm. the people that you're going to allow to be in that environment and the people that you're going to participate in their environment, right? Mm-hmm. And Very it, true. And if you don't want to get in the car, if you don't want to be in an environment with someone you don't trust to drive the car, then yeah. you've got to have the wisdom and discernment and the wherewithal and the confidence to say, man, I appreciate it, but no, I'm yeah. staying back. Yeah. Because peer pressure will come in, right? Definitely. And these cats try to get you to, well, uh, why you don't, you know, you're this or you're that or these, other, you know, this, this, this plethora of things they'll mm-hmm. label you with. But in the back of your mind, it, you just don't get in the car. Right. You right. stay, you stay where you're at. And then 
because what you'll end up doing is you'll end up developing a strength and a resolve that kind of helps you move forward. And you will find some friends that you do want to get in the car with. I could say even time my mother didn't want me to get in the car with my brothers. <laughs> so, wow. So it, it wasn't even just friends. It was family, too. That's, a good, that's another that's a whole nother it podcast right because, there. Because, you know, my brother, like, my, see, I'm the only kid between my mother and my father. Uh-huh. So my mother had a marriage before me. My father had a marriage before me. My, my other two brothers, they grew up different than me a little bit. Right. So, like, my one brother, um, he didn't graduate high school. My other brother, um, he didn't graduate high school either, though. He actually he dropped out eighth grade. He's doing great for himself right now. He's mm-hmm. tow trucks. He makes a lot of cash. That's tow truck industry, so he's making a way. But it's things that happen in his life that also led him there. So I also had examples around me of where I've seen people going down certain paths. Yeah. And that's what really moved me away from things, too, because I experienced my own siblings and people in my family facing their issues. And I was right. like, all right, I don't want to be that. So I learned from people close to me, too, not to make certain decisions as well from their mistakes. Now, uh, you went to school in, in Philly the whole your yeah through I went, high school yeah I went to Catholic high schools one thing I say my father he was like super big on me having the right education so he put me through like Catholic private schools um, I went and played high school football um, that was also the like that was one major thing I could say that really kept me out of trouble was that I was an athlete. I played sports since I was in second or third grade. I was from basketball practice to football practice, so I never had time in the streets. My parents always kept me busy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think sports, uh, especially joining it at such a young age, because I was I was a badass kid too. Yeah. But when it came to sports, uh, you know, I think I was I was like five. I looking at back at it now, I learned discipline from doing that. I did, I did. I learned a lot of discipline, and I can say it was a place to channel that aggression. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think that that was a great outlet. Like, I think that, I don't think that we stress like mental health and mental awareness mm-hmm. and like urban communities, especially like black communities when you're younger. So you never really learn how to deal with emotions and things that you feel. And so like when you're mad and you're angry, I go to a football sport. Mm-hmm. I can hit this kid as hard as I want to. Yep. And it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's it's true man it's true I, I go to school and i because i used to get in fights and stuff when i was younger i go to school and punch a kid i'm suspended yeah right so <laughs> on the field it's a whole different on the thing field, it's, yeah. 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 it's fine for me to be that person yeah, yeah. i played basketball <laughs> I, played, I played basketball i wasn't allowed to hit there either <laughs> <laughs> yo so so uh how did you end up in la i ended up in la actually um let me rewind it back uh so after I left Philadelphia. I went to a junior college in Scranton, PA, which was called Lackawanna Junior College. Um, there was a great experience. Uh, played college football there. Ended up earning a scholarship to Jackson State University. Um, Jackson State University was, wasn't was one of my top choices on my list. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of fell into that offer when um, I visited the University of uh, Louisville. Okay. And University of Louisville went on an official visit, ended up talking to my parents, saying we about to sign him. I go to the visit. I weighed at 192 pounds playing linebacker. <laughs> they, 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 my film said 215 pounds. <laughs> but when I got there on the visit, I weighed it at 192 pounds. And whatever, it was, whatever it takes to take, get the job, right? No, nah, but the coach came and see me. He seen the film. He seen I had game. Mm-hmm. And then he comes and they like, kid, man, this kid this came showed up as a DB just now. <laughs> So University of Louisville, while I was on the visit, I ended up pulling my offer while I was on the visit. 
So I was a mid-year transfer. So I ended up having to take an offer that was on the table was Jackson State, University of Hampton, a school called Missouri State. Jackson State, I ended up committing to them because I had some friends that played in my junior college that's already down there. Right. So I go to Jackson State, have a great career there, wonderful experience at the HBCU. Like, that was an eye-opening experience and something I definitely didn't think. Like, when I first got there, I was mad. Like, I'm D1. I'm big D1. They got me at this one little A. I know I can play here. But then I can say, like, the experience of the relationships and the people I got from it was, like, priceless as life went on. And then um, I ended up getting to L.A. because I do music. Mm -hmm. Um, After I was done football, I had to find that transition. And, I mean, being a black kid from the inner city, to be honest with you, the only things that you really know is sports and and entertainment. Yeah, You don't really know. And then business became one of my other options because once I stopped playing football and I was in my last year of college – and I start paying attention in class. Yeah, that's usually when it happens. Uh, when it's when it's time to grow up, is when we start paying like, attention. I was like, "Damn, I might really got to get a job." <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of hit me like my last year of college, and I was like, "All right, what they talking about in class now?" Like, and it was, and I was never a poor student. I could say like always been very bright person, but yeah. always knew how to pass. Like I never cared about school to be like, oh, I want to excel. I'm like, I know how to get a 72. Yeah. <laughs> just enough, right? Yeah, I knew how to get just enough. But then once it came to a point where I'm like, okay, I might really got to know what I'm doing. Right. I started paying attention. Then I was an entrepreneurship major when I was at school. And that kind of opened my eyes up. And when I seen that, I was like, oh, they teach me how to be a business owner? And I was like, okay, this is right down my alley. So then that kind of like drove me down want to explore what it's like to be a business owner. Then I was like, all right, what can I do with business? And I was like, oh, I can get into music. And I said, okay, I know music, and now I'm learning business. No, I'm mm-hmm. going to get into the music business. Wow. <laughs> so I said, I could put both together. I know I can be successful at that if I put both together. And I flew out to L.A. I had a friend of mine who I played football with when I was in a school called Volley Force Military Academy. So I went to a military academy for like mm-hmm. – four weeks like five weeks it was like a crazy experience <laughs> and i went there and i met this gentleman by the name of Matt horn currently he's the owner of a place called horn barbecue which is up in the bay he's a michelin chef right now All that's right. a wonderful story i met him and we was like 18 year old kids and we in this military school so me and him kind of just bond off the bat like it is some bull like we over here dealing <laughs> didn't want to be there yeah didn't want to be there then we like listening to kids who like telling us like straighten up and they like half your size <laughs> like it was like ridiculous so like we did that and then like i couldn't stay there because like my gpa wasn't high enough so i had to go to do a, a during college I had to go to during college i couldn't do a postgrad year so um, he ended up staying there. Me and him uh, stayed in contact. My family took care of him while he was out there. I ended up going to another junior college that next semester. And when over the years, me and him always kept in touch. And then when I was graduating, he was like, Mike, what you doing? Like, I was like, man, honestly, I'm trying to get into music. I'm trying to come to L.A. I'm going to find a studio to work out of. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, shoot, come live with me. And He was in L.A. He was in L.A. at the time. So I got my last refund check from college. Like, out the door, this would happen. Jackson State, they wasn't really honestly at that time. Like now, it's a crazy university. They're having a great experience. When we was there, it was not like that. There was no Coach Dion. <laughs> like, there was no there. no Coach Prime when I was there. But our coaches were great recruiters. That, but I could say that way Dion is like instilling things into them, right. as in being excelling in life. Our coaches were like our graduation rate was like poor. 
So our last semester, they needed people to graduate on a scholarship, so they wanted to use scholarships. So they paid for my last semester of school out the door. And they sent me a refund for that last semester. So I had, like, $3,000, spent a little bit, then I had, like, my last $1,500. I was like, man, I'm moving to L.A. And I bought a one-way ticket, and I ain't go back. Wow. So so your relationship <laughs> with, uh, uh, yeah. uh, what, what's his Matt name? Matt Horn. Matt Horn. Isn't it interesting how you guys both met and still have that relationship somewhere you guys didn't want to be at? No, it's crazy because I can say, like, we when we talk about it to this day, We'd be like, dang, we would never thought like we was going to be here now. Like, because <laughs> I knew him for almost like 15, 20 years. Now. Right. So, like, and when you know somebody when you're 18, I could say like, or 17, like, that's like really when, like, before you get polished. So, yeah. like, I know him very well. Yeah. <laughs> pre polished? Yeah, pre polished. So, like, so, like, with me having conversations, like, we be like, man, like, we can't believe where we done came from now. Like, post polished. Yeah, post polished. Like, so I can say, like, it's kind of like, it's dope to see it, though, to grow from people and the yeah. fact that, like, y'all actually still can grow together and still had a relationship. So, like, I can say that was big to see, like, how everything worked out in that situation, too. And I want to get into the to the to the dream free stuff, but I want to touch on that because we on this podcast, that's kind of one of the things that we've been talking about is finding your tribe, right? Mm-hmm. Finding your crew, finding the people that you can live life with that that's going to hold you accountable as well as provide that camaraderie, that brotherhood, because you can't you can't have people in your life that it's a constant grind, right? That mm-hmm. they're always trying to straighten you out or you're always trying to straighten them out. You have to have those friends that you get polished together. Right. Because even now, True. as we grow older, like and I'm you know, I'm in my forties and I'm post polished, right? I mean yeah. I was I, I but I'm still being polished <laughs> mm-hmm. every day, right? And and I think that as 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 we kind of attack this, you know, adversity piece in our life and 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 how frequent it is and how often it happens is how you are able to get through some of those places and you even said it organically yeah. is you had people in your corner because you had great discernment and wisdom True. to surround yourself with people that were wanting to motivate you and push you in the right direction and you were wanting to do the same thing to them. Yeah. Which I think is so awesome. I mean, I just yeah. that that to me that really defines the, the the essence of a beautiful human being. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why mm-hmm. Mike and I, whenever we first met, I mean, it was like love at first sight when we first. <laughs> yeah. met. How did you guys meet? Uh, it's so random too when I met Josh. Like I was at third base, which is a, a bar that's in Hollywood, and I just looked is that right? Trejo's Tacos? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So I look over to this guy, and I'm like, I don't know. I just said, hey, what's going on with you, man? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, just, hey, he's man. He's ginger looking <laughs> dude over and here. And then me and him just start talking, and I'm just like, yeah, man, what's going on? Like, man, you look cool. And then me and him just start talking and shooting. And then um, he was like, man, y'all want to go out? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know a spot. <laughs> so we go to a club that's like... Four blocks away, <laughs> and we had a group of people. I had a group of people with me, had a group of people with him, and then we just all go ahead and mob to we, this club. We, we, we bring our two groups <laughs> together. There's like wow. 13 of 13. us cruising around. <laughs> then we cruise around to the club, and we like, yeah. He's like, I got everybody. We're going in. And I'm like, all right, cool. We go to the bar. We all drink. Great night. Everybody have fun. And it was just random. It was just like, 
the energy fun. was just good. Like right. from the moment that's why he said that's why I laugh when he says like love at first sight. Like I know what he means though. <laughs> that is funny. So it's just a random bar. Just a random yeah, <laughs> chance chance had a show that night. Yeah. And so I brought a, a bunch of people with me to go to the show and <laughs> Uh, Chance had wanted to go out afterwards, you know, and, uh-huh. and, and, and hang out. His dad was in town, who was a mentor of mine, right? And so we were just out kind of hanging out, and, and, and it was just a great vibe. And we'd been at that third base place, I think, before to right. eat, yeah. eat some food. And and uh, we just kind of cruised back over there. Like afterwards, Chance was like, all right, where are we going to go? I said, man, I know a place. <laughs> so we walked back over to third base, and uh, Mike was in there with all yeah. his with all his buddies. Uh-huh. And he and I just got to rapping back and forth, and it was like just so organic, man. And yeah. it was like, there was, it was awesome, you right. know. When you when you can just flow in a conversation with someone, and you can see that they're like minded, you know, that just the opportunities are endless. And now so, let, let let me ask you guys both the questions. If uh-huh. this was if this was uh, 10, 20 years ago, would this had happened? This oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what though? Because I could say I always in. One thing I can say, one thing dynamic that's very different about my life, I can say, is that like same way as I tell you, like I had to survive Philadelphia and do these things. I went to a private school where I was like only three black kids in the class right. as well, too, though. So, and then my my gossers is a white lady. R. P. My gossers, who actually was a oh, my godfather, is a white man. Right. Like so, so like that's my dad's best friend. See, because, and, and so, the reason <laughs> I ask that is because sometimes uh, you know I I I know. Like, from I'm, I'm Mexican. Yeah. From sometimes, like you know, when you want to do business, like your families always tell you, like, "I'll oh, be careful." There you I'm go. Like, what do you mean, be careful? Like, <laughs> you, you know what? Though, and that's why I say it's like I never, I never actually really experienced that because I had been put in so many situations yeah. where I had to connect with people like that at an earlier age. Yeah. And my parents kind of did it on purpose. They said too, they put me in environments where it's like one of my good friends right now, his father's. Uh, Ralph Natali, like mm-hmm. who's like a mob people in Philly, like right. and one of my good friends. That's his godfather. That's his grandfather, mm-hmm. and I'm cool with the the guy's son. So I used to go to their house and spend the night eating seven yeah. fishes and Italian food. Like <laughs> it's it's so true because I think I think we had this conversation uh, when we shared yeah. our stories about you know uh, getting in trouble and having having to be a part of the system for a while. Yep. yep. Uh, I re- I still remember yeah. to this day, one of my cousins, his mom, my aunt said, Hey, don't hang around with your cousin. Cause yeah. I was considered <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the trouble, the kid. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, fast forward now, shouts out, shouts out to my cousin, Angel. Yeah. Uh, they should have named him devil. He ended up, <laughs> he ended up being the bad kid, man. <laughs> but, but it's just crazy because, you know, when when you're younger and then you look back at the at the things that people put in your head, yeah, they didn't know what the hell they were talking about. I was very fortunate <laughs> I grow, growing up. I, I, you know, I was a hooper, you know, so I had a bunch of different dynamics around me as mm-hmm. far as personalities. And it was in East Texas, too. Right. I mean, the, you know, some of my some of my best friends, you know, were were in Mexican gangs. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I mean, I. I hid one of my buddies in my apartment from from the cops while they were looking for him, you know? So I had these, when I had these really unique, eclectic experiences yeah. with some really beautiful people, uh, my I think for me, probably the biggest wake-up call for me was I was a kid. My who's He's my best friend since I was six years old. He's now my brother-in-law. His dad is uh, Charlie Pride, who just passed away, mm-hmm. black guy. His 
mom is a white stewardess that they had an affair for 10 years together right wow. and this was the byproduct was tyler well obviously charlie's wife didn't want him to have anything to do with tyler and this was growing up in a really really unique time right where right. we would go to class and the black kids didn't want to hang out with him and the white kids didn't want to hang out with him because he didn't have a he was he was they called him an oreo yeah you know and i mean it, it, it wrecked him and mm -hmm. i remember just the pain I, he got his ass kicked one night or one day at, at church, and I remember him just laying in the hallway of the church just mm -hmm. crying, right, because he just didn't think he had any, any place to belong. <clears throat> and for me, I was, a, I was a, the product of a single mom. Nobody right. wanted to yeah. deal with me either, yeah. right? So it didn't matter what my skin color was. I was Nobody wanted to deal with me either because of my situation. So right. I just learned as a very, 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 very young kid that your skin color has zero to do yeah, with, with who you are as a, as a human being. God created all of us in his image, mm -hmm. right? All of us. And so there's a, there's a reality there that I think a lot of us, and unfortunately still there's a lot of people need to realize on both sides of the table. Yeah. And, and I think it's getting better. And, and, and I, and I, I love my relationship with Mike, but it doesn't have anything mm -hmm. to do with him being black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It has everything to do with, he's a good human. Yeah. And he's got, he's got, and we're, we're going to get into the dream free stuff here yeah. in a second, but he's got this resolve in this vision in his brain of what he wants life to look like. And it has everything to do with motivating and encouraging people and doing it through dream free. Yeah, definitely. So let's kind of segue into how, how did dream what is, free, what is dream free? It's kind of, yeah, go into yeah. what is so, dream free? That's a great question. So Mike. I can tell you how dream free actually came to like fruition. It was a saying that me and one of my friends used to say to each other all the time. And it was basically just saying, like, dream without limitations. Mm -hmm. So basically becoming that best version of yourself and actually thinking out of your situation. Like, I can say um, that's something that actually got me to where I'm at in my life, though. So I'm a product of dream free, I feel like. Right. Like how I moved across the country and said, I'm going to sleep on my friend's couch and find a, a gig in a studio, even though I didn't have nobody to... I didn't have a studio set up if I got here. <laughs> I just knew that it was going to work out it's for gonna me. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, like, that's a part of, like, the dream-free concept, like I say. Even the fact of when I came out of junior, when I came out of high school, I didn't have any Division One offers. I had to go ahead and figure that part out. And right. then I had my coaches telling me, oh, I'll just go to the D3 school, man. Like, what you trying to do that for? Right. And I always said, like, I never let anybody place any limitations on me always knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of what the dream free thing was because I can't say that if I would have just took that Division three offer and played there, I'd have never met the girl that I talked to who lived in L.A. I'd have never met Matt Horn, who actually the person I lived in L.A. with. Right. I would have never been in My life wouldn't look like it is right now. So sometimes it's not always the fact of that you're pushing further for that one thing to happen. You're mm -hmm. pushing further because that's what life is telling you to do. Right. You don't know what the outcome is going to be from that decision. And if you fall in between, you fall short of it, you probably fall right where you're supposed to be anyway. So that's kind of the concept of that, too. So so is Dream Free, like, I mean, you, you well, mentioned it's, music. and, and It's uh, the music. So right now it's a brand. So right now I do merch around it. Okay. Um, I also do content around it. 
where um, I speak to people who are entrepreneurs and I motivate them with basically like self-development. Okay. Um, and basically take my experiences of being an entrepreneur and how I built my businesses and how I pursued my dreams and give them advice on basically like the trials and the tribulations that you'll face mm-hmm. uh, on the way to trying to achieve the goals that you're trying to do in life. So I can say that I'm a person who walks people through the experience mm-hmm. because most people will tell you the great, the the good of results but they won't tell you how to get through the actual, the valleys of a situation. And that's that's it. kind of uh, what this podcast was built on is yeah. is everyone sees the success. They don't see everything that led to <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, there's a there's a lot of mics in this world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and and you starting this and-, and they you know, don't, They're not as sexy as this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, take, there's, I take that. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people who, who go through very similar situations. And I, I think on the, our first episode where we really got deep on, on our stories, okay. mm-hmm. there was people that i grew up with that didn't know that you know most of my teen years were in juvenile hall wow and they they thought i just moved away somewhere for 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 this you know for a couple years yeah but but it's just crazy when people get to to know you at a different level and especially when it comes to the struggles and then they see where you're at years later you know I, i think that that just shows a lot of people that i could do it too because a lot of people give up when they go through a certain situation. Definitely. Especially when it's a bad situation where people look at you a different way. And and I think uh, uh, this program that you have really would help a, a, a youngster or, or, or someone who went through a similar thing and then making a bad choice, getting in the wrong car. Definitely. So so you sharing your story and, and us doing this podcast, I think, and, uh, is going to help. And then I think more like... What I also really try to stress is that, like, you say, like, you have a story of being a juvenile. I want to let people know that, like, you can keep that authentic story mm-hmm. and share that with people and don't be ashamed of those things and be able to kind of explain to people and show your triumphs off to those. Well, right. because everything that happened to you actually is a part of the reason you are who you are. Right. So sometimes you can look at those things as oh, that was a bad experience. Or you could look at those things like, they may have been bad at that moment, mm-hmm. but now would I take those back? Because who says that the person I am would have ever developed into this person? So I try to get the people to focus on the development of the person that's happening in front of your face and mm-hmm. see who you're turning into. And that's probably going to actually have you be able to help a lot of people because a lot of people haven't been in that place. A lot of people haven't had those experiences. So you actually talking to people and you'll, you'll be surprised how many people you can connect with, with a story that you thought that nobody else understand. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, uh, you're right. Like I was embarrassed to share it, you know, yeah. growing up, but as I got older, I remember hearing a similar story from uh, uh, it was a Latino judge who went to juvenile hall kind of similar story, but he ended up being a judge <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, that's crazy how he's, he's sharing his story. And when, once I started sharing that story, I seen it in, you know, the younger generation that would look up to me kind of looking at me as like, man, if he did it, I could do it too. Definitely. Definitely. And I can say that that's like what it's all about though. It's like, I feel like in life, everybody's been put here for a purpose. Right. And everybody has um, a life that, you're speaking to or a purpose that you have um, to carry out and someone that you have to influence. You know, mm-hmm. they say like the greatest act is being an uh, influence or being a blessing to somebody else. Right. So if you can do that through your story and share with people, like, man, that's, that's great for real. 
See, and I, I like how you said that you're doing merch too, and it's yeah. it's just from a from a saying that you and your boys used to say because I yeah. I, I see that a lot too with with a lot a lot of clothing companies. Mm-hmm. When I ask them, like, "Yo, where did that come from?" and they they use a similar thing mm-hmm. to to make a business out of it, and you know, not only that, something positive out of it. Yeah, and I think that like I always wanted people to hold on to it and it's and adapt it as a lifestyle more than I just wanted you to have a cool T-shirt. Yeah, I more wanted you to wear it and it's something that represents a message that you're about. So, um, like, I got one shirt that I'm coming out with right now. It says "Control the Narrative," mm-hmm. and that's basically telling somebody like, take the pen, write your story. Yeah, don't be scared to take. Yeah. Don't uh, basically don't let life happen to you. You feel me? Like life is happening for you, not to you. Right. That's what they more saying. It's like understand that whatever you put in your mind or whatever that thought is that you have, execute on it. Mm-hmm. Control the narrative. If you want it to work this way, then make it work that way. And if it don't work that way, guess what? You wrote that story. Now, go write the next line yeah. to the book. <laughs> <laughs> next chapter, right? <laughs> next chapter. But don't don't feel scared to grab life and take control of your destiny more than anything. Though. Yeah, I I think a, a a lot of people, especially like you know the the where I grew up at, we we always waited to see what would happen instead of us <laughs> going after it. There you go. And That's I, so and true. I, and I think I, you know, with my uh, my parents, and I've shared I, I've shared this story before. Is like I started as a DJ, and mm-hmm. once I started becoming an adult, my grandparents and parents were trying to get me away from like you need to get a real job. That's not gonna pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you fast forward to 10 years later, you got these these DJs getting million dollar deals in Vegas. And I was like, man, if I should have just stuck to it. Yeah. So <laughs> so so it kind of shows you. And I mentioned this earlier. It's like, you know, sometimes people will put things in your head and they don't know what the, what they're talking about. You know what? Like, that's why Kobe Bryant is actually one of my favorite athletes, because Kobe Bryant, um, he's a regular man. Yeah. He wasn't like. As athletic gifted as a Michael Jordan, he's not the physical specimen of LeBron James. He's the testament of what happens when you work hard mm-hmm. and you and you convince yourself that you're the best. That's it's the conviction for me with him. Yeah, even Muhammad Ali. I recently was listening to because I listen to quotes. Sometimes I was listening to great people. I listen to like Ali spills. And one thing I seen why I think Ali is the greatest boxer of all time is because mentally he thought he was the greatest boxer yeah. of all time. <laughs> That's simple. It's as simple as that. He didn't give you. A, he didn't give anybody else an opinion mm-hmm. about who he thought he was. And once you went up there, it's like, how are you not now? Yeah. He's telling people, I'm gonna beat him. He can't do it. He can't see me either. Yeah. He, y'all gonna see something y'all haven't seen ever before. And he's telling himself this because when he needs to believe it deep in his core, and that's why I say it's like once you kind of put things deep inside of you. It's rooted there now. Mm-hmm. It's nobody can unroot it now. It's rooted in you. Put it there, and that's why I said like I at a one point in time I stopped letting people tell me what I'm possible of doing, mm-hmm. and that changed my life. I could say right there. That's what really changed my life is when I stopped listening to people. Now I can't say I don't get discouraged at times. Yeah. Sometimes I look in the mirror and be like, but it's been working. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I think a lot of times too when people tell you that like you know you you yeah. you think even giving that thought like are they are they for real are they were they right like it yeah. still messes with you mentally yeah yeah you gotta you gotta get that out you know because it, 
it's kind of back to what we've always talked about having wise counsel, right? You know, it's very true. If you have wise counsel in your network, then you're going to be able to communicate your vision and your dream and why you're doing what you're doing to that person, bounce that idea off mm-hmm. of them. And instead of them giving you advice that they think is good advice, they'll give you, you advice, right? right? Like mm. I like it when I get, when I'm talking to people and they ask me, so how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. What's your mm. thought process on that? How are you thinking you're going to, what angle are you going to come in? Cause sometimes to, to you have, there? you have the answer. Right. Yeah. And you just don't realize it, yeah. but it, instead of, and I'm fortunate that I have a big network of friends that are that way, right? They mm-hmm. think like that. It's not like here, let's force you to do this, this, and this. We're not going to criticize you if you make this decision and we think you should have made this decision. We're going to support you because mm-hmm. especially at this stage in the game, we're all older. Mm-hmm. We all True. have jobs. You know, we all have our own lives and our own kids and all that other stuff going on that we have to navigate through. Right. And and you've got to have those kind of people where you can pick up the phone, say, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is or this is a decision I need to make or this is an idea I had or yeah. this is an opportunity that's in front of me. This is how I feel about it. This is the way I'd like to go about it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, and then have positive influence and positive feedback into what it is you're doing. I think that's one of the things I love about yeah. Mike and I's friendship. It's, it's, it's being able to, a lot of what our communication has been over the phone. Cause it's really difficult to get down to LA and it's really difficult yeah. to get up here. Right. Mm-hmm, true. And, and he's got his thing going. I've got my thing going, but we follow each other on social as well. And it's cool. Cause both of our platforms on social, we try to use to elevate, encourage and motivate yeah. people. Right. And push them forward, not push them down. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun. I'll get on his stuff and I'll see it and I'll shoot him a text and be like, dude, that word you put out on social was perfect, man. That was beautiful. Just keep grinding, keep doing that stuff. And it's kind of like we were talking about when we, that, that random text you can send to a friend, right. And they respond back and go, dude, I needed that right now. Like I was really kind of doubting some things. I think that we talked about that in episode one or or the, the intro episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's funny because right before I came over here, I got a random text from someone and it was just like, Hey, how you doing, bro? And that's all it was. Yeah. And we've been going back and forth was that me? All, all morning. <laughs> wow. You, you did it earlier this week, I think. I, and I was a bad one that didn't reply. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it was, it's just weird because now that's, those moments stand out more for me mm-hmm. where like, I can't ignore it. You know, they took the time to, to reach out and, and, and see how I'm doing. So I always take the time just because you never know where that conversation is going or what that person is going through. Right. That maybe you could help. You really don't. Yeah. I mean, in, in there's there's been some times in my life where I knew I should have reached out to someone and I didn't, mm-hmm. and it was too late. Right. Right. And I'm not going to go into details on it or any of that, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a reality that yeah. we have, you know, and sometimes I feel like when we get that tingle in our soul to reach out to someone, we can sometimes even suppress it because we don't want to be overreaching our, our boundaries or we don't want to be that guy or what, you know, ego comes in and what if they don't respond back? Mm -hmm. You know, am I, am I going to get my feelings hurt about it? Or, you know, I'm going to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm no longer cool or, and if, if you can just get all that out of your space, get all that out of your head and just kind of like the Kobe mentality, Mamba mentality, I'm the greatest. Mm -hmm. I am who I am. I'm the best Josh Purser that anybody's Mm going to be. 
and there's nobody else that can be me. Right. And I can't be anybody else. It's yeah. not my responsibility to be anybody yeah. else. My responsibility to my son is to be me, his dad. My responsibility to my wife is to be me, her husband. My responsibility to my employees is to be me, the boss. Right. Right. There's, there's all these pieces of me that I have responsibility to be to Very these true. different pieces in my life. But at the end of the day, if I start going, well, I could just be like this, or maybe I could be like this, or I could change this, or maybe I could look like that guy doing this, or maybe I could go over here and do this piece and maybe pull that in. Then all of a sudden I'm reeling. Mm -hmm. I'm reeling from, because I'm all of a sudden, I I don't know who I am anymore. Right. And Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't, you can't push through this life. What we were talking about, the breakfast with that vision. Yeah, with that vision. When you get that vision of what you're supposed to look like and what it's supposed to look like, if you can just hold it and push through it and, and go, you're going to find, yeah, you're going to have adversity. You're going to fall down. You are. You're going to crack. You are. But if you've got people around you that can love you and help kind of say, hey, remember why you're doing this. Right. It's not what you're doing. It's why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing what you're doing? Then it's like you can kind of get some breath back in your lungs, pop Very your chest out a little bit, put your eyes forward again on the on the path that you're on. Very true. And then just take that next step, right? One step at a time. And then- I could say I love the hustle though. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I think a, a lot of us do. I love yeah. the hustle though. I'm addicted to the hustle though. I could say like that's the one part I could tell anybody like who really want to be successful. I'm a football player at heart. So it's like I like when the game tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't I don't play to the game get tough. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people think it's gonna be easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Everybody, Everybody. would be doing it. Yeah. So to me, it's like when I went to play football, I went to play at the highest level. When I went to college, I went to play at the highest level. I always had the mindset of that, like always, I'm a competitor. I right. went in life, I want to compete at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind the adversity at times because I'm kind of like, oh, we about to see what you really made of. Yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> like, true. that's how I felt yeah. on that one basketball run this <laughs> <That's> morning. <right. laughs> and, and that part of it is like. All right, that's that's a little part where like people are like you not wired right, right? <laughs> it's true, but actually, like to me, going for my dreams and things, it's the closest thing to sports to me. So like, when you done with sports and you're not in that thing of anything or more competing in that way, trying to always find that scratch that itch mm-hmm. again. It's like, what can I do that give me that same high? Being an entrepreneur gives me that same high. Yeah. That's when I play sports, makes me want to. I go up the night before I'm thinking about what I got to do tomorrow. I'm in a car ride and listening to Jeezy. Mm-hmm. Right now, that's my CD right now. Listen to Jeezy right now. <laughs> that's the one, new, huh? That's the word right now. say CD? Yeah, no, well, well, my CD. I'm from a different streaming platform I'm using at the moment. Yo, I still say yeah, CD. CD. You, you still have one of those compact disc players yeah, yeah. in your car? No, it's a streaming platform I'm using at the moment. I'm playing Jeezy right now. And that kind of gets me at, you know, because it's like, I like the hustle, yeah. you know, and I'm finding now that I like that, but then I also can say that I'm also understanding balance too. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, that's good. So that's it's kind of like loving the hustle, but then also understanding balance. Like I just met a gentleman yesterday, like one of my homegirls, she has a vending machine company. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing like um, women's uh, beauty products out of vending machines. She's been working on it for a while. I got to meet a gentleman that actually makes some machines. He's out in Corona and I'm talking to him. He's been a business owner like 20 years. And he, out of nowhere, he has a conversation with me about adversity, kind of like, 
And he's like, yeah, man, I done lost businesses, been very successful, had money, been through three marriages. He's like, man, I can tell you one thing's like this. The business is going to be there. Mm-hmm. The value, value the family. Don't, don't, don't miss those things. And this is a 65 year old man. I'm a person where I say it's like, I get the sermon. I'm very wise as far as like, I will listen to somebody before I run into that wall. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, all right, he's telling me right now because I'm like, I said, I love the hustle, but then also I have to remember I love my family. Yeah. So sometimes I got to remember like, all right, don't get so caught up in success because there's certain things that that success not going to buy you back. Yeah. And that that's that's so true. Yeah, yeah I think I think too, and, and and I recently thought about this because uh, you know I I work so hard sometimes that I forget you know <laughs> that you know my wife is at home, my kids, and before you know it, you know they're grown ass adults, <laughs> and you're at home, just you and wifey, and 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 to me it's like what you, what you just said, reaching success, and then at the end when you get there, and you know your family not being there, you're going to realize like, like, yo, what, what I'm doing this for my family. That's what I'm doing. It there for. you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause that's an, inve- it's an investment, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's an investment like that has residual, zi- residual, uh, uh, impact mm-hmm. yeah. on, on your family. It's, you know, my son, if I think that's one of the things I've had to really find balance in, especially out here when we open this business and it being open seven days a week, you know, kind of what we were talking about at breakfast, you yeah. know, when I cracked, you know, when I had my, my mental breakdown last year, a lot of it was because I wasn't sp- been able to spend any time with my son. Yeah. You know, my wife and I, we work together and, you know, we're around each other all the time. So there was, we were starting to butt heads with each other. Mm-hmm. I wasn't spending any time with my kid mm-hmm. at all, except for to maybe get him to school, maybe see him for 30 minutes when I'd get home. And I just kind of got to a place where I was, and and, the, and it's not like the store was doing any better. Yeah. You know, we were still dealing with COVID and chip shortages. And mm-hmm. so I was just literally running my head against the wall yeah. over and over and over again. And kept saying, you know, eventually I'm going to plow through this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll have time. And what I realized is quit running your head into the damn wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back up, turn around, go hang out with your family and figure out a way to kind of navigate through this thing and all give your family that it yeah. all, it's all going to yeah. be there. Right. Cause it, it, I could, we could build this amazing business and be super well off and be able to afford to do whatever we wanted. But if my kid doesn't want to have anything to do with me, cause I didn't take the time to invest in his life. Mm-hmm. then what's the point? Yeah. And then that love is a fuel, man. Yep. Like that love. You don't know, like until you, you don't know you was missing it until you had it sometimes. Yeah. Cause like me being, I've been in LA for 10 years, so I may go home sometimes. Like I'm super working all the time. I go home maybe one time, see my family. Like my parents are older. My parents are in their sixties now. Mm-hmm. So now my mindset's starting to change. This was making me actually do that now because I've been out here for 10 years and I haven't been around my family as much. Got nephew, my nephew like 12 now. I got wow. never nephews like four or five. You know, I'm like, I'm missing them growing up. Mm-hmm. I want that connection with them. I haven't, but I've been doing all these things because I also want to give my family a certain certain quality of life. Right. But it's like, would they care about it? If probably, I wasn't They probably there, care more about the time with you. you they know care I mean? more yeah. about the time with me, yeah. actually, though. Like, my nephew more care about me playing playing um, Legos with him. More yeah. than he actually care about <laughs> me being able to buy him. Buy him Legos. Buy yeah. him Legos. <laughs> like, he more care me being there with him. So yeah. now it's starting to shift my perspective on things. And even with my parents and my father getting 
older because my father he had like a heart pacer pin his heart maybe like 10 years ago and right now the doctor was telling him that he might actually have to go back and for another surgery soon mm. so that's on his mind heavy right now right and my father right now i want to say like he like 69 yeah so to me in my head i'm like i gotta go i gotta get home to my father yeah it's not because he's doing he's good health. He take care of himself, but it's like it's a, the time the time spending thing, with the time other, spending yeah. with him. Like I want to spend time with him now. When when you when you say that, there's uh, friends that you know you you run into that you haven't seen in years, and you just pick up with where you guys left off. You know, sometimes like when a friend is going through something, you just being there means a lot more than yeah yeah you know than you sending the flowers right exactly yeah <laughs> that's yeah. true yeah very that's true, very man. true so so. Uh, Let's talk about the music thing a little okay. bit. Like, what uh, what what do you do in in music? So, in music, I do audio engineer. I do production. I'm an artist. I'm a triple threat in it. I've been doing everything in it since I was. I've been rapping since I was six years old. I've been producing for the last ten, twelve years. Um, I work with my mentor Neil Poe. We worked on uh, Igor for Tyler, Flower Boy for Tyler Creator. Also did K Trinata, CD Bubba. Um, Doja Cat, um, who else? Anderson Pat, mm-hmm. um, host of people. He actually won the Grammy the last two years for best rap album of the year. Right, and I've been able to be in the room and involved with those projects. So I've been around the industry in a good sense right now in LA, and mostly that's why I've been haven't been able to leave. Right. <laughs> because that's been taking up a lot of my time of just like networking and meeting a lot of people and getting in the rooms and talking to people. So I can say that's been me for music. And mm-hmm. then also um, working on my own project, but then working on other people's project. There's a few independent artists that I work with as well. Right. Actually, like Chance. I did a record with Chance maybe like mm, seven months ago. One time me and him and Chance got in the studio. Right. So it was like with music, I never wanted to just get on. It's always been about building a brand as far as um, putting in work. And, putting in work yeah. and then being able to have ownership in music. To me, music is not about just somebody knowing my name. I want to own my records. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think I've I've we've talked about this. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of podcasts, so I forget yeah. where we which one it was. But a lot of people look to get signed, and then once they're signed, they want to get unsigned. Yeah. It's not what 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 a lot of people think it is. But I mean, you you you're thinking the right way when it comes to to the music world. Well, I can say like when I, when I told you earlier, I said when I got into music, I was like, oh, I know music. But then I got this part called business that a lot of people don't understand yeah. about the music industry. Yeah. And what I did when I got into the music industry is being around my mentor and being able to be so close, I sat back and I learned the business. Once I learned the business, now I'm in a position where I'm able to position myself in a place where I can get my value. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think a lot of people don't do because they get caught up wanting to get there so fast in yeah. it. And they want to understand, like, well, I always knew that in music. I was building a company. And they and I looked at it and said, any company takes 10 years mm-hmm. to build a great company. So I'm right on track, I feel yeah. like, right now. Like, I'm about 10 years in it. I've probably figured it out. I said, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm at a good trajectory, whereas now I have experience. And and as you're figuring out, you're you're building your network. With build, the right build, people. Building yeah. my network with the right people and then also being able to have the experience and knowledge that I need to be able to also produce at a high level as well, though, too. So I can deliver on that request that somebody may have mm-hmm. for me. 
So I can say like most people don't like to uh, put it in the oven. They say they want it microwave. Yeah, they want know? it quick. Yeah, they yeah. want it quick. So like I never mind with actually like taking my time with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I hope someone that's listening uh, that's asked me questions about you know how how the music stuff works. It doesn't happen overnight. No, that's that's nah. that's for sure. And I'm glad you 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 said that. It taking ten years to build a business. I hope people get that part of it too because. I mentioned the the speed bumps that we run into. A lot of us give up on it. That's when you got to keep going. That's Damn when you true. that's when you got to switch gears and and take it to the next level. Uh, another thing that you said that I I feel is important is uh, relationships. Build those relationships. You you saying uh, a lot of the people that you did work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that says a lot in the music world. Yeah, definitely. I could say, and then also being able to learn from them mm-hmm. and see how people are doing it in the position that you want to do things in. So I could say like how you said the relationships, um, being around those relationships and not always expecting that relationship of somebody to do something for you. Right. Take the knowledge. Don't always expect somebody to do something for you because yeah. it's not always, sometimes it's like you got to one up on everybody. He just showed you how to do it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now go apply that. In your own way, and you're probably ahead more than everybody else because you just learn from somebody who really does it. Yeah. So I never came in the music industry also expecting something from people. Always knew that. All right, just show me what it. Just show me how you do it. Yeah. And I'll create my own opportunity. I always felt like because opportunity is something that you create by opening your mouth. Firm believer in that. Like. Mm-hmm. If I, I when I first came to LA, I used to stop people all the time. Like I'll see a rap artist somewhere, I ain't hear with his entourage or whoever. I'd be like, "Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Y'all audio engineer. This is my name, Mike Evans. I work out this studio right here. If you ever need an engineer, <laughs> I stop. So <laughs> I, I would see like Will I am, <laughs> and I'll stop people in the middle of the street. It'd, it'd be like, "Here's my car." Uh, <laughs> and people were like Why do you just walk up to people like that I'm like yo I need them Because to me it was never about It was never about them taking the offer And really work And them actually calling me right. It was like They need to see my face mm-hmm. So when they see my face They be like That was the crazy guy That walked when you're up on, to when you're, when you're exactly. on stage <laughs> getting, When you're I on stage that. Getting that yeah. Grammy huh? There's yeah. that dude I That's know that, that dude I actually know that guy <laughs> That guy walked up to me Like recently Like I just seen An artist named Kyle I seen Kyle at a, a Whole Foods That was um, Around my way Like off La Cienica I seen him And I was like let me go introduce myself to Kyle really quick. And I walk up to Kyle and I catch him and Kyle's just walking gingerly. And I say, hey, Kyle. <laughs> I'm like, hey. He's like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, man, my name Mike Evans, man. I produce, I engineer. If you ever look for engineer, reach out to me. He actually knows some of the people that I actually know too, though, right. which is pretty cool, though. Like one and that, of the that, people that's, I know. That's the thing about the music world, too. It's a, it's a small world. And that's why I try to tell people, like, the networking of it, mm-hmm. you got to do a lot of footwork in the music industry. And you just got to be felt mm-hmm. because stand it, out, stand yeah. out. And then all it takes is one. Yep. You don't need the one good project, yep. one good song. Yep. And then people would be like, yo, that was a good song you made. <laughs> it was. The other yeah. five was bad, but the one you made was pretty good. Yeah. So it was like the odds. And it was always to me like, you won, you won hit away. And see, you, you mentioned names yeah. that, that I knew. Yeah. From being, you know, on the radio side of things. Yeah. 
all the artists that you you mentioned are are like artists we played on on the radio station. Yeah. So that that that's what it is. You said you love the hustle. That, you, that's that's, that's the, exactly that, what it is, man. That's the part of it. And then I think that people respect that because at one point in time, that artist was in your shoes. Mm-hmm. How you think they got there? They was crazy enough to walk up to another person too. Yeah. So it's just that like people will see what they'll see it in you. You don't have to always hound them or be like, look at what I'm doing. It's like if you approach them in the right way, they'll be like, they just I remember when I was like that. Yep. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what's funny when you mention that? I remember uh, I'm I'm a big DJ Quick fan. Like okay. I've, I've been a Quick fan since I first his first, heard his first song. Uh I remember I, I used to have a studio. And the group that I was working with, they had a little demo, and we uh-huh. ran into DJ Quick at a at a fries, uh-huh. and I ran back to my car because we had the demo CD in there, uh-huh. and uh, my boy who was in the group, he's like, "What are you doing?" I go, "I'm gonna go give him this," and he's walking out, and I just went over there, and they couldn't believe that I did that, and I was like, "I couldn't believe I did that," but something told me like, "Yo, you got to do this." So so so. Years later, I started working in radio, uh-huh. and when I when I first had a chance to interview him, he kept looking at me, and he's all like, "Yo, I know you from somewhere," <laughs> and I told him the story, and he remembered the story. Okay, I mean, he never called back or anything, but it's, <laughs> it's just crazy. But, but, but hey, he knew who I was. He knew exactly, who I was. <laughs> he, meant to, yeah. he meant to call back. He yeah. just lost the number. <laughs> that is funny. I got a funny DJ Quick story too. I met DJ Quick too before. Actually, I was in a session with DJ Quick randomly. So one time, um, I worked out this studio called The Mix Room that's in Burbank. And we was recording out of there. One of my, when me and my friends, we had the room next door. And um, DJ Quick had the other room next to us. Uh And I had one of my friends in town from Philly who rapped. And I was working on his project. He's an artist I was working with at the time. And he coming from home. So he like... Man, like, I'm out here. He don't know nothing. His first week out here, he running a DJ Quick at the studio. <laughs> and Quick's just like, what's up? He like, oh, I look up. He's I was like, oh, that's DJ Quick. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, what's up, Quick? <laughs> and it was kind of funny. And then we working in the studio that week. And it's funny because when you're in a working environment with him, like, you kind of don't fan out a little bit. Yeah. So when Quick seen us there, he was like, we just working, working. We not saying that to him. We not saying Quick see us. He like. Hey, man, what y'all doing over there? You know what? Come in the session. And he bring us into the session. And then I got to see DJ Quick make a beat in front yeah. of me. So that was kind of like one of my highlights of where I had these moments in the industry where it was like, all right, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. That's why I say, like, that's why you said, like, when you was like, you're going to face that adversity. But then you also going to have moments that's going to confirm you to keep going. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and that's, that's, cra- that's crazy. You shared that because you mentioned that, you know, you engineer, produce. It's- yeah. Artist, that's yeah. that's quick right there. Yeah, and and a funny story that it was a documentary that I had seen on him. Uh, you remember when they re released the the Prince uh, album, one of the Prince albums? Okay, he did. It's funny that he didn't like the way it sounded when they remastered it. Uh-huh. So he went back to remaster it for himself, <laughs> so he could get the right sound for it. So I know how engineers and and. Uh, uh-huh. Producers, they're perfectionists. It's like you got to take the work away from them because if you leave it, they're just going to keep working until they think it's perfect. And it's funny you say that. And that's why I can say also why I've been doing this for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a super perfectionist when it comes to it. Like, I really, 
I really want to make something that stands the test of time, and I want to make something that I can leave my mark on the industry with. I don't want to just timeless. You yeah, want something timeless. Yeah, I want something timeless, and even if it's my music or it's music that I did for another person, mm-hmm. I just want to be able to say like, "Yo, we did that." Yeah, and that's why I can say like. To me in the music thing, it was never about just getting on. To me, it was about actually making something. I loved hip-hop. Like, hip-hop, I love hip-hop. Right. Like, it was something that actually, at the time, when I really got into hip-hop, you know, it was Nas, Jay-Z. My brother was super backpack, so I'm listening to, like, Tribe, yeah. The Roots. Matter of fact, I had a Roots song yesterday I sent my brother um, called uh, Proceed. And I remember he used to play this song every morning when I woke up, like, and that was that his was alarm. an anthem. That was a morning <laughs> anthem. Every morning he played "Proceed" from the Roots, and that's what kind of like got my love for hip hop. I had a love yeah. for hip hop that's really authentic to, like I say, the art form of it. Wow. So I also respect that part of it. And my music is basically where I share my stories. I share who I am as a person, but that's kind of like I say the soundtrack to my life is my music. And it's I, I think it's very true. I mean, I remember when I first heard, uh, you know, I was I was a big NWA fan. Yeah. Uh, uh, Easy E, DJ Quick, and you know that that was more of the 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 hood stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that I like, but now listening to it now and listening to a Jay Z album, uh, yeah. it's 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 crazy to me how it was about like like. Do, I'll say doing hood rat stuff yeah. back in the days, yeah. but now it's more of a the corporate the, cor- the corporate American now. Yeah. Now now it's like you listen to Jay Z and he's he's teaching you stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I can say, uh, I always like Reasonable Doubt. That's always yeah. one of my favorite CDs, and I never knew why I liked it until I got older. It was the conviction in that CD of a hustler. Yeah. He didn't like, because that's why I said growing up in Philly, I could say one thing about it was that I had an insatiable urge to make something of myself mm-hmm. because I didn't see anybody do it. And I also like, I could say a time that really pushed me towards dream free, that really made me focus on making my life was something. I had a friend in high school about 17 when my friends was killed. Mm. Um, high school football player with us. All of us uh, went to grade school. His father was a police officer, and he got killed at a barbecue on, like, Memorial Day weekend. And that right there was something that I faced, and I was kind of like, I'm going to go for everything in my life I ever wanted. Right. Because I know, like, it really wasn't promised to me because it wasn't that he was just a bad kid. He did a little something. He sold a little drugs at times. And that's why I say decisions made up. I had a lot of decisions. Yeah. At times, even when I was in school, he hired his gun in my locker. Yeah. So he'd be like, this Mike, is, this is, this is, this is, uh, the stories we shared. Yeah. It's in someone who, who you said he passed away at such a young age. Yeah. That so could have been any of us. That could have been any of us. Yeah. He, and he was my dude. I used to go over his crib. Like he was the first person like actually like girl, we used to go to his house with girls. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like when we were 16, like, like that yeah. was, like that was my, that was my homie. Yeah. So like when we lost Tim, that changed a lot of us, though. That kind of like, that's why I say at a young age, I kind of grew up fast. Yeah. Where it's like, I knew like, oh, life's not a game for real. Like, you can go out here and lose your life. Mm-hmm. And then that's what made me start being very cautious. That would made me start making decisions of like, I always felt like I became a man about 16, 17 years old, where it was like, 
I was doing everything a grown man was doing at 16, yeah. 17. That's why at this age right now, 35, I feel like I'm more I'm more reserved than like, I know what that is now. Yeah. Like, I'm not curious as much no more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a huge element, though. Yeah. The curiosity, right? <laughs> the curiosity. Yeah. curiosity kills the cat. Yeah, yeah, really, though. You know, and I think that's important as we get older and this, as we're trying to translate the message of this podcast to these to the people that are listening is that you, you got to kind of hedge some of that curiosity sometimes because mm-hmm. the older you get, it's not as entertaining or as appealing as it was when you're younger. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and it's, you kind of look back and you're like, you can either see places where you gave into the curiosity and you, and you ended up in a bad spot yeah, yeah. or you can, and you can also see on the flip side where you just kind of pushed it back and said, all right, that's not a part of my vision mm-hmm. that I see for myself. Definitely. That's not going to elevate me forward. If anything, it could just sink me into the bottom. Yeah. And, but, and you got to learn how to navigate through that. But you know, like the one thing of it's like, you see how close I tell you is like, I had a lot of decisions like that. One of my friends, when he before him, him and my friends were selling drugs together before he had died. Wow. And my homeboy, he was playing football with me. And that's my best friend to this day still. So I think that if he AJ stays alive, they still continue the path that they do. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like decisions was like always around me to, to do these things. It was yeah. just a point of my time. That's why I always say it was the dream free aspect. It was like, it got to be more than this. That was honest. I didn't know if it was more than this because I was in my environment. So you sometimes you, that's why I always like, try to expose people with that message and say like, yo, you could do better than like, just think bigger than it. I don't right. care if you don't know if you got a, if you got, and it was my gut feeling telling me like, yo, it's more to life than what I'm seeing every day. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me kind of be in a way of like, let me push that boundary and figure out what that is. I didn't know what it looked like. I, I just went with a gut feeling of right. like, I know it's more than this stuff. Now the dream free, when, when uh, did it become a, a, something you would say? Oh, that came in college. When actually, I could say, that's when it got defined. I could say it always been in me, but that's when I had a friend of me who was like, dream free, that's what we doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? That got a ring to it. Yeah. And I was like, that's what we going with. But I could say that ideal of me living my life in that way, I figured that out very early. I feel like I had to put my mind somewhere else in order to be able to not make those decisions in my environment because mm-hmm. me at first it was seeing myself on the college football team right that was my first thing was like nah I'm not gonna do all this hood stuff I ain't smoke weed nothing when I was in high school I was like nah I'm a college football player I'm a college football player so my mind was already in my I was in my I am mm-hmm. I'm already I'm already thinking I'm a college football player even though I was still in high school so everything I ever done in my life I always believed I was that before anybody believed I was that right and I think that's the part of where I would say, like, that mental part of where it's like, Ali, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. It's like, you put something so deep inside you. And you say it. And you say yeah. it. It's crazy. And I could say, like, my first dream ever was to be a college football player. I remember, like, since I was third or fourth grade. I never, I didn't even want to be a pro. I just wanted to play college football. When it, when it first happened, what was that feeling like for you? My feel, The craziest feeling I had was when we played Mississippi State. And that was, like, my first being the SEC for the day. Yeah. Like, you know, if Jackson State playing SEC school for the day. Like, I was so at for that game because it was like I seen myself here before. 
wow. and it actually happened. Like, actually brought tears to my eyes before that game because I was like, I knew it was something more to life, and I knew it was something that was God in my life at that moment too, though. Like, I knew it was actual, it was God. Mm-hmm. I actually knew it was a situation that was God in my life at that moment now. And it also showed me one thing in life too. I knew dreams come true. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know. Most people never had a dream come yeah. true. So they don't know that they actually work. But you did your part in order to make that dream come true. You just didn't dream it. You did your part. I did my part, by, but it's called faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't a perfect ride yeah. at, by far. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was more like I just had faith in what happened, and I put action, and no matter how many times I got knocked down on the way there, I just kept going. They're all learn- learning lessons for you, too. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's what I, I always say about uh, speed bumps. I mentioned that a lot yeah. in our in our uh, podcast. Those are learning points for a lot of us. Uh, there's different routes that we could take when something happens. I mean, you when you mentioned your your friend that passed away, yeah. you you could have made the choice like, let's go get these guys. Yeah, or honestly, made the choice of where I just gave up mm-hmm. and thought like, man, ain't nobody making it out of this. Yeah. And that's what I've seen some people do in those situations when that happened. I've seen other people got their friends killed and then turned them the different way. Yeah. Where they said, nah, I guess I am going to be this now. Yeah. And they gave up on hope. You know, they gave up. They didn't have any faith no more. Mm-hmm. That was crushed. And I've seen so many people fall victim to that. That's why I wanted to be an inspiration to people's life. And I always want to help people because I've seen so many people that couldn't help themselves. So I could say that's one of the reasons why, like, when he says like, oh, he wants to be inspiration people, that's what really gears me. Yeah. Is that I just know some people, um, and we talked about it earlier when he was like, it's a group of people who are beautiful who don't um know actually their potential because nobody's talking to them. Mm-hmm. That's the people I really speak for though, is those people as well though. Yeah. And I, I want them to know. And I, I like you uh sharing your story just because again, man, like I think not only do we need to hear this as as grown ass adults, but I think the younger generation and the, the kids growing up need to hear this too, because some of us didn't have this. We didn't have uh we didn't have YouTube podcasts <laughs> or, 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 or Instagram or all this stuff to share positive stuff like this with, with the younger generation. Uh, I think that is super important because now like I needed somebody to talk to back then. Yeah. Like I could say as an adult, I still had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's why I could say like, I didn't get to grow. And that's when I said earlier until I left Philly, I didn't really understand how much trauma I actually had been through mm. until I started putting myself in other environments where it's like, oh, you can chill out. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be that hypervigilant person of everybody around <laughs> yeah. you now. That was different. Yeah. Now I could say it also made me feel like I didn't have to fit in. Like, I always say if I grew up in the suburbs, man, I'd have been just a little suburban kid <laughs> playing football, being happy. But then when you growing up around drug dealers, they got guns on them. You like, man, I gotta stay dangerous out here, man. Right. Like, like I can't even. <laughs> I want to be nice, but I can't even be nice. I gotta watch my life, right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> the, it's the environment we come from, right? Yeah. yeah. And I did. And we talk about it. Me and my friends talk about. It, we laugh about it too because he's like, and that's why I always try to explain the hood to people. I'm like, yo, everybody in the hood. They have these, they may have, it's survival traits they developed. It's yeah. not the fact that they're that type of people. This kid might be a geek, man, but he just had to understand he had to carry a gun because people on his block had guns. Yeah. It's not because he wanted to do that, mm-hmm. but then he got sucked into it. Yeah. I don't see people who've been preachers, their family been preaching, their father's a preacher their whole life. Yeah. 
I can say my friend got killed. His father was a police officer. Yeah, I I, I caught that when you, know? you said that. Yeah, you so it's kind of like you can know. It's just about decisions. And mm-hmm. go back to when I said I had to be very keen on decisions early. Yeah. So that's when I had understood. Like, all right, decisions hold weight. Let me make the right ones. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can't say that I was totally educated all about him, but when he say people, that's why, like, my people and my friends I grew up with in Philly, we really close, though, because, like, like you said, we ain't have podcasts and things like that to bounce ideas yeah. off. I would ask my homie, what you think it is, dog? Like, yeah. <laughs> what should we do right here? Man, we shouldn't go in there. It don't feel right. <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm like you, you might be right about that right now. I thought you felt the same thing I felt. <laughs> we leaving. We leaving. Right? There you go. <laughs> there you, we leaving together. We leaving. And, and that's what you needed, though. You needed people that was watching your back in this scenario. So I always had that type of thing where I had, like, me and my friend. That's why my best friend and me, we close to this day. Totally opposite of people. But the one thing I got with him is that I done been in so many situations where I know I can trust him. Yeah. I'm like, nah, he's not going, and he's not going to let me, he's not going to leave me out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and to a point where he's not going to leave me out there, even if I'm fighting against him, he's going to tell me when I'm wrong. Right. He's going to be like, nah, Mike, you're wrong on this one. And most people, <laughs> most people separate themselves from people like that growing up go. because. They want yes men around them. Well, they yeah. call you a hater now. If yeah, you say yeah a hater. Yeah, But then when you when you grow up and you realize that you you know you kick yourself in the ass yes. saying like man he was right. Yeah, he was yeah. right though, and that's and I call that that's like the love part of it. Like person really had love for you mm-hmm. that they willing to have you angry with them or upset with them to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah, you know. That's true. I, I I think uh, uh, today's episode. I mean, there's there's a lot of gems in, in today's show, man. I mean, I I know we've talked about you know you you say tribe, I say my circle, but it's it's very similar. You you need that group around you that you could go for for advice where mm-hmm. you have the answers, but they help get those right answers out of you. Yeah, they pull it out of you, you know. And it's you know I love the 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 analogy of the the swordsmith in the Bible and uh, the, it talks about how, you know, the swordsmith, what he'll do is how he creates the perfect sword, right? Is he'll burn it and he'll burn it and he'll burn it and he'll shape it. He'll hammer it. Right. And he just gets it hot. And what happens is eventually he'll be able to pull that sword out and see his own reflection in the sword. Mm -hmm. And that's when the sword's ready. Mm. And I love that because there's this piece of it that, I feel like the Lord just sometimes he hammers us right and he's just burning out and he's letting these impurities and things be mm. beaten out of us because he wants to be able to pick that sword up. He wants to be able to pick us up and see his reflection in it. Mm. And I think that's the most beautiful reality that we have when we've got friendships like that. A lot of times those friendships are being used as the bur- as, as the hammer, mm. right? Or the heat mm-hmm. to burn some of this stuff out of us that maybe we thought we had to have in there. But the reason he's burning all that out is because it makes the sword stronger. Right. He wants mm. all the weakness out of the sword, all the impurities out of the sword. Because once he's able to get all that out, that sword is then strong and unbreakable. Ready. Mm. Yeah. Man, this is a great episode today, man. I'm glad. Loved I'm it. glad this happened. Thanks for coming, Bubba. Oh, oh, this was great, right yeah. here. We're, I, I feel like this episode could keep going, man. Yeah, we could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, we could be here all day, man. You, you got to come. You have to come back, Mike. You know, y'all can definitely, you know, follow the handle. You can reach out to me again at Mike underscore M I underscore C underscore Evans. Uh, Dream free underscore world. 
definitely be able to tap in with you guys. Uh, appreciate y'all having. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I uh, follow you uh, right now before uh, the episode's up. And uh, thank you guys uh, for checking out the episode. Of course, we encourage you to tell your friends about it. If you have a, uh, any idea for guests, uh, get at us. DJ Mambo at Gmail is uh, my uh, email, and I, I started the adversity I, Instagram too. Oh, I just, nice! I just I just gotta uh, remember it <laughs> before I say it. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back for another episode uh, next week. All right, peace, peace.